You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. This week's episode, as always, is brought to you in partnership with The Saints Report. For all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to visit The Saints Report on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You will not be disappointed. And disappointment is something that uh, we are trying to avoid here. Uh, as Southampton fans, as supporters of the Saints, and it's not working out right now. Um, this weekend was perhaps the hardest uh, to take, the hardest loss to take maybe all, all season. And I realized that we, we played fairly well uh, at Arsenal the week before. Um, this was Mark Hughes's first home game. Well, we played well for the majority of the game, but we had a 10-minute spell where it all kind of crumbled. And for me, uh, I think this is, this is finally the week that I, I think I, I have to say that we are down. I, I, I do not believe we have what it takes any longer to survive. And I hope that I am wrong. And it doesn't mean that I will not cheer on Thursday when we take on Lester. It does not mean that I will, that I won't get behind the team for uh, the rest of, of the campaign. But um, for so long, we've watched the team make mistakes and not fight and not show up. And this week against Chelsea, it looked like they gave it everything they had and it still wasn't good enough. And I realized that going into play Chelsea, uh, you don't really, you probably don't expect to come away with any points. Uh, that's a top six side. You know, it's just not a game you expect to win, but to watch us work that hard to watch, uh, the boys and to hear the crowd and to, to, to really, it, it just looked like we gave it everything we had and we came up short. And I think that we've dug ourselves too deep of a hole by, by making the other mistakes early in the season, by not showing up, by not um, looking committed and things like that. Uh, obviously the manager and the board and, and everything else has, has a lot to do with the, the situation that we're in. But now I, I don't see us having uh, whether you want to say the character or you know the quality, even though I, I do think our squad is good, I just don't see us uh, being able to get the necessary number of points now uh, with five games to go to keep ourselves safe. But I am sorry to start this on on that note. That is not uh, necessarily how I intended to start the podcast, but that is uh, how I'm feeling right now. And I am I was hurt on on Saturday. I was not in a good mood, um, and not angry, not not upset, just. Um, kind of almost hopeless. Like it kind of just felt like that was it. Like that, that we had the season, the, the, the club's decisions have, have run their course. Um, they've brought us to this point. And from now we just move forward. 
with whatever that is. If it, if we do find a way to stay in the Premier League, I would be uh, overjoyed. But um, now it's you know focus on Thursday, and then we'll focus on the FA Cup semifinal, uh, and then we'll move forward from there. And whatever happens, happens. And um, you know, a lot of people that have uh, a fan or that are fans of teams that have been relegated, uh, whether it's recently or, or in the in the in the past it's not necessarily the end of the world. It It is a, a huge chunk of money that you will miss out on. If you stay down for too long, you do lack uh, maybe the worldwide appeal uh, to, to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fans, a lot of new potential fans, uh, especially with this being a world cup year and things like that. But uh, all that aside, the club will survive. Uh, we can only hope that we will bounce back um, that the owner, you know, shows up, does something, uh, and we can can get back on the front foot, but uh, I don't want to talk about all of that. I I, I apologize for that. But um, on this week's episode, I'm joined by Hassan Tariq. Uh, Hassan is a frequent contributor to the Ugly Inside. Um, he you can find him on Twitter at Hassan Tariq ten. He's on Instagram at Hassan Tariq nine four eight, and he's on Facebook at Hassan Tariq. Uh, and the links to those are in the show notes. You can give him a follow. Uh, he posts and t- discusses Saints. A lot on all the normal forums. He's very active. Uh, so if you're interested in having a conversation uh, about Southampton or about anything else, uh, let him know. He's usually up for a chat uh, if he is about. So um, anyway, it was a pleasure to talk with Hassan. I've talked to him before in the past uh, through through chat. And also he's been on to do some of the uh, shows that we've done where we have multiple callers. But this is the first time that we've ever actually gotten to sit down and have a, a good you know, hour long chat. And so, um, it is, it, the show's about an hour long, so I won't keep you here any longer. We'll get straight to it. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. And, uh, I just like to apologize once again for the, uh, I I'm kind of beaten down at this moment. Um, I am not feeling very confident in the team, uh, but I'm hoping that we can go and get some points, uh, against our former manager. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So, uh, let's jump into my conversation with Hassan Tariq. We'll talk all things, uh, from Chelsea. Uh, we'll talk Benarak's goal, which we thought was great. Uh, we'll talk all of the, the kind of implications. We'll take your listener questions, uh, all that coming up right after this. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Hassan Tariq. You can find him on Twitter at Hassan Tariq 10. Uh, he's also on Facebook and on Instagram, and the links to those are in the show notes. But uh, Hassan, uh, people might recognize you from, uh, they might recognize your voice from The Ugly Inside and, and things like yeah. that. But uh, welcome back to the show, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do. Plenty to crack on with. I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we get started, just uh, to kind of, in case people aren't uh, 100% familiar with you, and, and obviously yeah. on The Ugly Inside they can see you and, and here they can't. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about kind of how you became a Saints fan and, and how long you've kind of been uh uh, around the club and then and then we'll get into yeah. why you or how you got involved with the ugly inside and all that stuff yeah it's it's quite a simple story really um i, I was brought up and I, I live very close to st mary stadium growing up and i could i live from my bedroom window i could see the ground whenever match day it was busy and so i was always fascinated to learn about the stadium why where are all these people going and also under rupert Lowe, he was i know he had a lot of downfalls but one thing he did do is he tried to encourage the local community to get involved in the club. He used to send out loads of free tickets all the time. And once I went to my first 
Southampton game, I think it was in 2003. I just, I just knew this club for me. I was only five, but it was just a fascination of just seeing such a big ground with so many people. And my first real season of following Saints was the 0405 season. It was unfortunately the season we went down but um yeah i've just been a, a hardcore supporter since and i've loved the club to bits yeah so so you've been through this before so all those all those yeah. new fans newish fans that have kind of never gone through this which i'm i'm one of them i've never experienced a, a really a, a relegation battle um yeah you know you maybe you have some words of encouragement and wisdom as we uh as we do this but we'll uh we'll talk about all yeah. that and then Eventually, you kind of got into to being quite a frequent contributor to the ugly inside. And I know you've worked with some other uh, yeah. kind of things before, but how how did that come about? How did you get involved with Freddie and all well, those guys? I was I've been doing videos for like Talk Saints, which is another Southampton football club social media platform in 2014-15 and then I would featured a lot on the Saints fan TV and then I, 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 when the Under the Stars started to grow I used to watch it and then I spoke to Freddie about if it's possible if I could come on he goes yeah he invited me on after match day interviews and ever since then I think after every home game I watch the game and then I go and do an interview with Freddie and you know I think it's just brilliant to have a platform where fans can get their voice out and, and people get to you know listen I think it's I think we're so lucky to have you know something like the other side for the fans where I can go on there and you know voice my opinion openly and freely on on what I thought of the game you know we we hear all the time from pundits and experts and you know all these sort of you know professionals but I think it's just so nice to have a platform where us fans could come on and you know just speak because you know we don't in the past it's not always been that you know fans haven't always had a voice you know we'd always have to phone into you know radio stations at 606 which you know nine times out of ten you never get on because there's just so many people you know wanting to get their voices heard but yeah, I'm just so grateful to uh, Freddie and the team you know you know for allowing us to have our voices I think I think it's brilliant and I hope that continues as well whatever league we're in yeah yeah absolutely and this, I mean, the internet is kind of an equalizer, you know, it allows yeah. all of us to kind of do this. And then maybe sometimes it goes too far because you have everybody all of a sudden thinks yeah. they're, uh, you know, uh, you play a championship manager one time and now you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're talking about transfers and all this stuff or, or picking the team. But I think it, it, yeah. it, it encourages discussion because even when somebody puts out like what I consider to be just an absolutely ridiculous lineup, yeah. you know, pre-match, it still is, it's something to think about. And, and I think if you kind of interact with the right people and, and kind of can, can watch uh, fan reactions to things and things like that. I think, you know, uh, Freddie was talking yeah. that clubs are actually paying attention to that stuff now because they have to, because it's a good way. It's a better way for them to gauge um, how people are feeling yeah. about the club and, and around the club and things like that. And, and fans, uh, you know, they're important because players will come and go. Managers, obviously we know will come and go yeah. board members, owners, all those things kind of change, but uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, you think 30, 32,000 people in St. Mary's, right. Something like that. Yeah. And, two and a half yeah those people are are there week in week out year in year out and 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 that is kind of the core of of uh of what the club is it's not about necessarily the players or anything like that so so to be able to kind of do that i think is is great and obviously i mean i i do the same thing or a similar thing you know and and so yeah Yeah, i a lot of respect for uh for people who did this before me to kind of go you know maybe we can maybe we can do it so i think the um i think football's changed in that sense i think maybe 10 years ago 
you know, after a result, the only way you'd probably speak about the game was probably go to the pub, talk to your mates, or, you know, um, on Monday at school, catch up with all your friends and, you know, you'd, you'd talk about the game. I think now with, the, with all this social social media stuff, I, th- I, I think it's, it, it's brilliant that, you know, you, you get to interact with fans from across the globe who share different opinions and have, and have different stories. And I think that's one of the great things about, about social media, that it's, it's allowed football fans to almost come together as one yeah. family, which is great. Yeah, and I mean, and it also, it makes things a lot more, uh, I don't know, a lot more immediate. Like I, even when I'm at work, I, I know the score, you know, um, it's difficult for me not to know the score, you know, because (laughs) it's because of Twitter and things like that. And even if I, if I shut it off, like I, it's hard for me to get even to where it is on, on TV afterwards without seeing something, you know, a a clip or or an article or whatever. Um, Mm. but, uh, I had, you know, I, obviously I was at the West Ham match and I haven't, I haven't interviewed anybody since, since I was, I've been back, but like I was at the West Ham match. It didn't go well. We talked to Freddie and, and Clive Mm -hmm. and and Nick and all those guys. And then um, the next week was the Arsenal match and I was on a plane. My plane took off five minutes before kickoff and it was a 10 and a half hour flight. And that, that is the longest I had gone without knowing the score or any information about a saints game in, in like five years, you know, four or five years. And so, it's a totally yeah. different, you know, kind of, kind of feeling because normally it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's right there in my face the whole time. So it was, it was definitely strange. And, uh, you know, then I saw the result and I was like, ah, you know, and I, that's the first game I didn't watch in a long time too. I didn't, I didn't have yeah. time this week to, to watch the full match. So, um, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of difficult to know when you know the result and you go like, I don't know if I want to watch that one, but, uh, I guess the performances were not bad, but yeah, I think also from the way I see it is now, I think it's so vital. Uh, I'm fascinated to hear the voice of Saints fans who are abroad because I understand in places like America and the Far East, you guys get access to every single Premier League game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. On TV, etc. And I think within the UK, it's very different. It's either in many cases, you either go to the game or you listen to it on the radio. Therefore, I think you guys have a, a different perspective, but it's also a good one because you, you see every game live, which is nice. And I, and I think it's good that, you know, fans like yourself can keep in touch with the club, you know, just like us and see all the action, which, which is great. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel bad because, you know, I'm, I'm way over here and you, you have people that are in the UK when I was there, I, you yeah. know, I, I know I don't have trouble watching champions league matches or, or Europa league matches or, or premier league matches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Manchester Derby was, was Sunday, uh, while I was there, I think. And I was kind of in the hotel room, like we had gotten back from where we were doing. It was like, well, let me flip on the the last 30 minutes or so. And it wasn't on. I called down to the desk and was like, Hey, can I watch this? And they said, no, like we don't have that channel. And I was like, well, how do I watch it? And they're like, well, you got to go next door, which is, you got to go to the pub. And I was like, yeah, all right. I told my wife, I was like, Hey, I gotta go. I want to go watch the game. Is that okay? She's like, yeah, fine. Like, but it was just totally in, in that the pub was just packed. Everybody's in there watching yeah. the match. And then as soon as the match is over, you know, everybody has one or two more beers and then they're gone. And then, then it kind of thins out, but it was, uh, it was different. It was definitely a different, uh, kind of, kind of feel. And, and I I've don't also got to give you, um, credit for your commitment. Like I've spoken to Saints fans who get up like half past four in the morning or stay up until like one or two in the morning in the far East, just, just to watch their, their, their team. And I think that is, that is a great commitment, especially when they've got work the next day and you know, they've got a busy schedule. I think that's just amazing. And I think you can't question 
the commitment of you know some of the, with the, the you know the football fans in general who are abroad. I think it's brilliant. I don't know how you guys you know can can do that sometimes. Get up at ridiculous times to follow your team. I think that's amazing. It it it's it's for me it's not that bad, but it's uh I would have a much harder time doing the stay up until one or two than getting up at at four. Um, okay. Uh, I I can do I can get up at four. I've tried getting up earlier, but then it feels like the middle of the night. Like four o'clock is like that's the, still the morning. That's fine. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, some of those, I mean, I look at some of the, the people from Australia and stuff like that. I'm like, I have yeah. no idea how you do that. And then, you know, yeah. in places like Dubai where, uh, Sunday is a work day. And so yes. if they're doing Saturday night, that's Sunday morning almost. And then it's, they got to go to work. I don't yeah. know. I don't know that that's, that's tough, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, usually it's, it's just early, early Saturday mornings and watching yeah. it kind of by myself in, in, in my office and taking just a, a way too many notes and, uh, eventually getting frustrated and starting to type curse words and then having to just go, I got to stop. So, um, (laughs) but let's, let's go ahead and and kind of look at, at, at yesterday. Um, and you know, I think throughout the season, we, maybe our best performances have been against the top kind of sides. And I think all of us have kind of said, well, not, maybe not all of us, but I've always kind of looked at it like, well, if we play well, like this will set us up for, for the future, you know, this will set us up for, for future matches. And, you know, we may not win, we may not take any points from them, but like, you know, I was encouraged by our performance early in the season against Man City, uh, against Arsenal when we kind of, you know, last minute kind of gave up the equalizer to, to, I think Alexis and Giroud, um, and and things like that. But then you kind of look at, it doesn't seem to carry over. Uh, We had the Leicester match uh, after one of those and it was, it was atrocious and things like that. And now, um, you know, I think we're past the point of being able to, to rely on good performances. Um, yeah. and, and because, I mean, the last couple of weeks were, were maybe encouraging. We had moments of greatness and yesterday was, was great for like what, 70 minutes. And then, and then it all kind yeah. of just went to, uh, to, it all kind of went poor, yeah. poorly, uh, it's badly. Yeah. I don't know how, how to say it, but, um, but let's, let's talk about that. We'll start kind of at, at the beginning. Um, yeah. Team sheet comes out uh, all week. Yep. You know, obviously Sims was uh, was red carded last week, so that's three match a three match ban for uh, Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Who did I say? You said Sims, I think. Oh well, I don't think uh, Sims yeah. would do that. Uh, Stevens. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. anyway, he, he threw Wilshire to the ground, and uh, yep. you know, I don't know. I probably would have thrown Wilshire to the ground had he done that to me. That's really annoying when people do that to you. So uh, when people yeah. pull your shirt, it's like. I don't know. I don't like being touched. It's like, and if you've ever gone anywhere, a long car ride, a long train ride with your brother and he's just like poking you just a little bit, you're like, man, it's eventually going to yeah. come out and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to rectify this. But um, yeah. anyway, Hughes talks all week and, and he comes out in the press conference and he kind of, he kind of let on that Bednarak would get a start and he would still go with the back three. And I thought there was no chance yeah. that was going to happen. But so were mm-hmm. you surprised that, that we went with, with the back five or the back three uh, and Bednarak got his first Premier League start? Um, I was very surprised. Um, that he'd gone back, gone to the back five. Um, yeah, it's, it just didn't make um, sense to me. Uh, look, I know he tried it against Arsenal, and but it, it didn't really work for me. You know, we conceded three goals against Arsenal. Welbert missed an open goal. McCarthy made a few good saves. It could have been more. And so it, after I watched the Arsenal game, I thought, nah, defensively, we, we can't go five on the back. It just simply won't work. And then obviously you mentioned the suspension of Jack Stevens, and then he put Jan Benarak, who I actually thought in parts of that game he did really well. But yeah, I was really surprised that he'd, he'd gone for that. I would have personally gone to a 4-2-3-1 
and more more of an attacking team, especially when you're at home. Yeah, and you need to win games. So I, I was very surprised, but he did hint in his press conference on Thursday that he would go with that. So um, yeah, it's um, look, he's the he, he's the manager. Look, he hasn't really been given that long with his squad. Remember, we also had the international break, so maybe two three weeks to work with others. But maybe he's just going with you know what he thinks is, is the best um, team to get us results. But yeah, I, I disagree with Hughes, but um. Yeah, it's and I think that was one of the reasons why we did lose yesterday was and the defensive errors. Yeah, yeah, it's uh you know he can pick the team and I, I don't know I thought that's what he was gonna do not necessarily that that was gonna be the best thing because I like you said I was worried about about mm. Bednarak and the last time we saw him play in a back three uh, was against Wolves in the EFL Cup final I think yeah. or an EFL Cup not the final obviously well, yeah, it was the we, first first hurdle like, yeah we we lost two 0 and we never ever really looked composed or organized at the at, at the back during that game so um yeah i'm surprised that i think as many fans were that he'd gone for five at the back but um yeah it's just one of those things it's uh not everyone's going to agree with but like i said he he's the manager and you know we, you just got to go with it yeah I mean, so looking at 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 Benrack specifically yeah i mean i he didn't look any worse than than any of the other guys but kind of back there you know we obviously yeah. we, we we conceded three goals we kind of melted down late and i think he was taken off uh, late in the game uh, for Gabby Dini, I think. Um, yeah. But at all, at that point, I was kind of just like trying not to throw stuff. So I was kind of, yeah. um, but I, I think he had, I, I think his performance was fine. I don't, I don't think he, I was worried about, about, I think Hazard was on that side and I think about Hazard yeah. running at anybody. Um, but yeah. I, I, I thought he was okay. I didn't, I didn't see any glaring errors from him that I can remember. Uh, any, anything on him or, or uh, from, from your perspective sitting in the stands? Um, well, I was actually, he's obviously he scored the second goal for us which got us 2-0 up and I was actually behind the goal when he scored that and I've got to give credit it was it was a beautiful finish on the volley, you know, from the from the from the back post. And I've got to give credit to James Ward Park. I thought it was a, it was a great delivery. But you know, Taylor Valley and Bednarak, you know, you know, you'd put you were thinking at that time, you know, this is you know a dream debut. You know, two 0 up. You know, he might sixty minutes on the clock. You know, he might go on to keep a clean sheet. But you know, it was to be. You know, I thought he did really well for the for the first half. You know, as I was saying on the other side, I can't remember Chelsea creating any clear cut chances. I thought our back three were disciplined and they were organized during that first half. And I think Chelsea were very, very frustrated. Looking at, at what they had, you know, you have you have Morata up top who hasn't been in the best form, but who is a guy who can he can cause people trouble. He scores a lot of goals kind of with his head. And you think that that's where we're, we're the weakest. And hopefully between the three of our center backs, they can kind of do enough to put them off. Um, and, and, and sometimes my worry is that, that one guy will go like, well, if I don't, you know, if he's behind me a little bit, that's somebody, somebody else will take him. Somebody else will take over. And if that communication's not there, I worry about guys like Murata getting free and, and and getting kind of clear opportunities and he didn't do it, but obviously, uh, Drew did. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that later. But, um, yeah, like you said, I, I was, I was pretty impressed with the way the back three played for most of the first half. Uh, and, and parts of the second half, but um, as you as you got into the match, or as you got into the, to the ground and things like that, coming off of you know the the decent performance at Arsenal the week before, uh, yeah. the the poor performance uh, at West Ham, and knowing that you know we've we've been lucky, I think up until now that the teams ahead of us, the teams above us in the table, haven't pulled away, um, and and yeah. you know when we don't pick up points, neither do they, and so we're they're kind of they're still within touching distance, you know. 
Um, yeah. and, and what was, what was the atmosphere like coming into the match? Was it, did it feel more tense than normal or anything like that? Or, or how, you know, it was Hughes's first match at home. So, so what was that yeah. like, uh, in the ground leading up to the, leading up to kickoff? Um, uh, well, the sun was shining. It was warm for once, but I thought the atmosphere yesterday was, was brilliant. Probably one of the best it's been all season. But, you know, before the game, everyone was, I wouldn't say confident, but everyone was sort of hoping that we could get something from the result. And I think this has mainly come from Chelsea haven't been great this season. Well, in the last few games, obviously you can remember they lost to Spurs at home 2-1 and then they drew to West Ham. So Saints fans sort of felt they were there for the taking, which so I wouldn't say everyone was confident, but everyone was like, yeah, bring them on. You know, they're not as good as they used to be. So there was a, certainly a sense of optimism going into into the game yesterday. And yeah. that just grew throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. And it, it sounded uh, on TV that, you know, St. Mary's, sounded great um, yeah. throughout the first half and, and as we went into halftime and, and then even in early parts of the second half. And then, uh, you know, eventually it, it didn't, it didn't go so well, but like um, as the match kicks off, it, it took about five minutes for us to kind of really get control kind of of the ball um, yeah. in, in Bertrand and, T- and Tadich looked like they were uh, something that had been said to, to Bertrand and Cedric, I think, because both of them got forward a lot more and whether it's, you know, the, 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 the ability or the, the freedom of playing kind of in a back five or whether it was specific yeah. encouragement from Hughes, um, yeah. the runs that Bertrand made yesterday were, were great, I thought. And, mm. uh, obviously yeah. we saw it for, for, for a goal, uh, at yeah. some point, but, um, you know, we were, we were getting crossed in the box. There wasn't really anybody in there. Um, but were we, I mean, I think, I think we were attacking more early on in the match and, and really yeah. it looked like we were in a, in a kind of a fair fight with Chelsea rather than us playing a big team. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, to be honest, based on that first half, you probably wouldn't be able to tell apart which team was in the top six, and which team was in the bottom three. Um, it looked very, very even. In fact, I think we were attacked. We had the clear cut chances and, and looked even more threatening than they did. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that sense. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. There were a couple moments where even when Chelsea had the ball, it was, yeah. we were pressing them and it was, it was kind of like five, four, one, you know, longs running around yeah. pressing everybody. Tadic would join him to, to press. Uh, and, but you could see the organization across uh, yeah. the midfield line and the organization between um, that space between kind of the, the defenders and the, and the midfielders was, was staying kind of, uh, th- th- we were staying compact. There wasn't a lot of yeah. room for Chelsea to work. And, you know, Hazard doesn't need a lot of room to work. William doesn't need a lot of room to work. And, and eventually yeah. Pedro, the same, same thing. But like that, yeah. we were, we were so well organized there that we would force mm. them back. And then just by forcing them back, you could hear the fans at St. Mary's that they appreciated that they appreciated yeah. the, the effort in the organization. Cause I think everybody knew what, what the plan was, you know, there was no kind yeah. of secret uh, with mm. from the team sheet, what we were going to do. And it was just like, can we come out and do that? Cause if we just come out and sit back, nobody likes that. But if you come out and yeah. you can press and you can, you can force the other team into mistakes, which Courtois um, yeah. eventually plays kind of a, he, he got a back pass from a defender and he just gave it right back to him and it put him in trouble, you know? Um, yeah. There were a couple instances like that where we were, were, were forcing them to make mistakes, which I thought was, was great. Um, yeah. There were a couple of moments early on, uh, like about 18 minutes in, uh, I, I thought we gave away some, some free kicks that, you know, Ramiu yeah. gave a foul. And I thought that that's where we're going to get beat. If, if, yeah. if, uh, if William can put a ball in, um, you know, and, and Murata can get on the end of it or, 
or, you know, it falls to somebody else like that for me was, was worrying. I thought we needed to kind of avoid that. Um, but we yeah. didn't really get hurt with that in the first half. So, um, well, were there any kind of moments uh, before we, we actually scored for, uh, that for you that stood out as, as being kind of, uh, significant or is it just, you know, you want to talk about the, the first goal now? I don't know. How, how do you want to? Yeah. Um, well, I thought from minute one, you know, like you said, we didn't give Chelsea any room to work with. From them, it was really sideways backwards. Whenever they came deep in our half, we used to press on. Hoiberg did that absolutely outstandingly alongside Romero. And especially Shane Long, who was, you know, caused their defense, you know, you know, put them under pressure, you know, throughout large parts of the uh, first half. And, you know, that was really, really encouraging. And you always felt because Chelsea's pushed their, their main centre-backs were literally on the halfway line. You felt that if we could get the ball, that we could just, you know, play a long ball to long. And, you know, we could hit them on the break. And the first goal was brilliant work from Ryan Bertrand when he um, out-muscled um, Azbilicueta, put a lovely ball in. And I think it was a, it was a decent, clever finish by Dusan Tadic. And I, I think that was nothing short of what we deserved in that first half. Yeah, so, so that goal, uh, for me, yeah. it, you know, there are, we, I think we played that extremely well. I think the ball comes from, from uh, Hoot to Hoiberg. And Hoiberg plays that ball through for Bertrand. And you can see, like what we were talking earlier, uh, maybe it was before recording, but the, the commitment from, from yeah. the players. You can see the commitment from Bertrand that, like, I'm not... Because he had the opportunity to just get there and hit it first time. And there would have been, you know, yeah. he would have lashed it across the air. There would have been nobody there. Um, you know, maybe Long's in the box at that point, but I don't even think so. And instead, he he makes a decision like I I've he's gotten by uh, Aspilicueta, and he just go, he knows I'm I'm going to get in there, and he and he chooses to go into the box, which forces Aspilicueta back off just a little bit, and then he's able to kind of pull it back. And I thought, like you said, Tadic finished it very very nicely, but that I I think from our perspective that getting that ball through that ball from Hoiberg deserves credit too. Um, yep. it used to be, I don't know if you know this in the MLS, they had like secondary assists where like, oh, really? yeah, wow. it was, a, it, this is one of those reasons why we're not allowed to have nice things is like, you know, you start introducing things like secondary assists to people who like actually know football and they're like, you can't do this. This is not a thing. Um, but oh, yeah. Hoiberg would have been, I think, given credit for that because of that yeah, ball that he played definitely. through. But, um, you know, he plays that ball through and it leads to Bertrand being able to do that. And then eventually to the goal. And I thought that was like, you know, I thought that's what we're used to seeing from, from a couple of years ago, you know? Yeah. And, and we haven't seen that. We haven't seen enough of that. And I thought it was, uh, I mean, at that point I was yelling the, you know, house it's, I think it was maybe four fifty, five, maybe five o'clock in the morning at this point, And I'm, I'm doing yeah. this. And so everybody here has to be awake at that point because that's what yeah. I'm doing. And I was told to, to be quiet by my son who was almost 13 and not, not really happy with me waking him up before five uh, yelling yeah. at the TV. But, um, you know, at that, at that point, you know, we're up one, nothing. And then I think Chelsea kind of went like, Oh, like maybe we need to step it up a little bit. And I think we were put yeah. under a little bit more pressure. Um, yeah. and for me, I was just thinking like, just, if we can just get to halftime without conceding, that will be, that'll be good. And and then I think from there, it seems like the second half of matches is usually a little bit better. Uh, it seems like yeah. Hughes can, can, can really arrange those things. And so, you know, we, we, we did eventually. And we, and I, I think the, the, the rest of the first half kind of went by without, uh, much of an incident. There were a couple of yellow cards and things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think 
like to mention the uh, horrific tackle. Um, yes, yes. Alonso, Shay Long. Uh, I think that can't. We have to speak about that. The white Dean was in a brilliant position to see that it should have been a straight red card. And who knows? It would have gone maybe gone on to change the game as well. I think that's a big talking point. It hasn't been mentioned much in the media across the UK, but I feel if it was the other way around, Chelsea fans would have been all over it on social media, and they would be making a massive fuss over. I think it was a definite red card, and you know there has to be action from the FA for me. Yeah. So so that that tackle it's from yeah. um, Marcus Alonso, correct? Yes. And he yeah. jumps over somebody who's on the ground and then he puts his studs right in the back of Shane Long's yeah. calf, kind of right above. I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen it um, yeah. right, right above or just below the knee. And, you know, it happened in real time. It looked like a bad challenge. But then when you yeah. slow it down, it's it's atrocious. And um, yeah. I at that point tweeted something that I had to delete because it was not <laughs> it was not yeah. nice and I shouldn't be doing stuff like that. But um, you know, he does that from time yeah. to time. And I think he's a, he gets away with it quite a bit. And, you know, I never want to play the, uh, the, the big team bias card or, or Mike yeah. Dean is, is, I don't want the referee to be center of attention, but Mike Dean makes it difficult not to talk about him because he, yeah, he, it's, he's, he's one of those referees, which I really just, just really dislike. And I don't like, dislike many referees, but he's one of them, which is at the top of my list. For me, I've seen the pictures and the, the cap footage of the view he had, and it is beyond me how he did not see that. It just doesn't, you know, I'm still trying to comprehend how he didn't see it. It's just fair play. Look, if, if he doesn't see it, then I'll t- hold my hands up and I'll say, look, fair play, Mike Dean didn't see it, but it really buggers me that he saw that and he took zero action and that's what hurts. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, there, there are a number of things kind of wrong with it. And I think he lost control of, of the match at that point. Um, oh yeah, 100%. Uh, what, what I did appreciate, and maybe we need to, to talk about this is, um, you know, Alonzo makes that challenge. There is no foul. Um, yeah. then Alonzo brings the ball away from that. And then Ward yeah. Prouse just levels him. And I'm just like, thank you because we yeah. needed, we need it. And you know, obviously you take the yellow, you give them a free kick in a dangerous area. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the Stevens thing where that's a little bit of frustration and everything else, but yeah. like you can't let, you can't let somebody do that to your teammate and then, you know, not at least send a bit of a message or, or, and then yeah. once the play stops, then you can see the Saints players kind of go to Mike Dean and, and you are like, you know, the, the, look at back there and all this. And, and Hughes was livid uh, on the sideline, which I thought yeah. was, was quite stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah. so for me, that's, that's not bad. You know, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. what you need to do. And, um, I'm just glad we have somebody in the team. I, I didn't expect it to be James Ward Prowse, but I'm glad we have somebody yeah. on the team that will, that will do that and just put a stop to it. Uh, which, which I thought was, yeah. was good, you know? Um, yeah, you know, would it have changed the game? You know, we'll, ne- we'll never know, but I do remember early on in the season where we were two nil up on West Ham and Alton got sent off at home and they still managed to, you know, come back to two, two. So uh, look, it, 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 I think it would have made a massive difference, you know, playing under who's, I think, you know, the extra legs would have certainly given us, given us, given us something, but you know, it's like you said, it's good that we had someone like James Ward Prowse, who, you know, who let Alonso know, you know, you can't do this and you know, didn't let him get away with it and you know what I hope the FA you know give him a, a three-match ban at least I think that's what he deserves I don't know if they if they will um because they yeah. may say that that Dean saw it you know it wasn't a situation where it happened off the ball but I, I don't yeah. know we'll have to we'll have to see if it comes out and you know yeah. what the outcry will be if, if nothing happens but wow. um you know for me initially uh into the second half if we if we kind of jump forward to the second goal um, yep. Alonzo is the one who loses Bednarak at the back post. You know, he kind of goes to sleep and kind of lets yep. Bednarak run off him. So at that point, I'm like, well, maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Um, but then if you look at, at Alonzo's involvement, I'm trying to, somebody summed it up nicely. I'm trying to find the, uh, the tweet here because somebody just kind of nailed it in terms of, 
uh, his contributions to to the game. So um, this is Carl Matchett. Um, he's a yep. freelance European football journalist. Um, he's got a blue check mark. So we'll just go through kind of what he says. He says, you know, yeah. so in summary, Alonzo assists Chelsea's first goal. Um, also frees William, who assists Chelsea's second goal, uh, wins the free kick that leads to Chelsea's third goal. And this is all after Alonzo should have been sent off in the first half. So, like, you know, obviously yeah. when I'm thinking that, you know, maybe it's not so bad because it's, uh, you know, he, he's let Benarak loose at the, at the back post for, for, the, for, their, yeah. for our second goal. Um, yeah. But obviously he is crucial to kind of how they play. Um, yeah. and oh, totally. so, yeah, definitely. and so, you know, it, it, it does, it, it does have an impact on, on the game. And that Ooh, for yeah. me is, is something that is almost inexcusable from Dean because he has allowed, you know, his, his inability to, to properly kind of manage a match and, and, and yeah. show the red card. I mean, we saw Dean was down in the championship just a few weeks ago because he had had poor performances, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, so for him to, to, to mismanage a game like that and, and allow somebody to stay on the pitch, um, yeah. especially when we're in such, such a bad spot in terms of needing points and things like this, uh, yeah. it, it, uh, you know, this is on somewhat on him, but I think, I don't know, my, my perspective is kind of, it's more kind of, uh, kind of on us, but, um, anyway, kind of, I'd like to add something to that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, like you said, coming on out of the first half, I remember about three, four minutes before we scored Shay Long on the break, he's running in and he turns and he's literally threw on in goal. Alonso clips him, gets none of the ball again. I think it falls to Tadic, which shoot and Cortana makes a good save. And I think on the second scenario, Alonso didn't even get a booking then. And for me, that should have been a red card as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, do you remember that case? I, I think I do. I think I do. And, and yeah. I think Long fell down kind of in the area. Is that is that correct? Well, it might have been in the area. It might have just been just up. But from where I was sat, it, he looked like he was the last guy. And you know, if you make that if you make that challenge, and get it wrong. Surely it's a it's a sending off, isn't it? Again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and. Uh, but I think I think Mike Dean had that chance then to you know rectify his his previous you know decision, which he got totally wrong and send him off. I think if um, Alonso had been sent off for that um, second tackle, then you know I think there would be no arguments about that red card. But yet again, he gives nothing. And then, like you said, Alonso was directly involved within all three goals, which is it's just typical of our luck, though, isn't it? Right, right. And uh, yeah, and that's what we'll kind of come on to. Um, positive parts of the of that first half, I thought. I thought the pressing, the pressure we put them under was great. Uh, I thought Long and Tadic were both working very hard, and I know Tadic gets a lot of a lot of a lot of grief from from people. I tend to like him. Um, and so I'm, but I'm open to, to criticizing him and, and being criticized for supporting him and stuff like that. But I think if, if we're going to play that kind of formation, that five, four, one, like he is probably the best midfielder we have to, to assist in the pressing and things like that, uh, yeah. assist the striker other than maybe Redmond. And I, I thought the, the ability of the, of the players and the willingness of our players to get kind of stuck into tackles and things like that was great. Uh, but I thought once again, that we were kind of giving away a lot of dangerous free kicks. Um, we had too many cards and, and, I didn't think Chelsea played particularly well in the first half as well as we, I thought we were, were doing Chelsea weren't doing well. And yet we were still only up one. No, which was slightly worrying because at this point we've seen, we can give away leads. You talked about West Ham earlier, even when we were up one nil or, or sorry, two nil and up a man. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've away. Yeah. Uh, palace at home. We were one, leading one nil at home. There's been numerous occasions where it's, it's been that case. Yeah. And so at halftime, uh, what's the feeling? What do you, what do you, what's everybody saying in the stands at that point? Are, is, are people still feeling confident? Are people worried? Uh, how, how are you feeling at halftime? Everyone was really, really encouraged from the first half performance. Um, the way we pr- 
pressed. I guess in a way that was very similar to how we used to press under the Pochettino days, which was which was really nice to see. Um, uh, but for sure, everyone was wary of you know the threats Chelsea had off, off the bench. You know, everyone talks about how Giroud was brilliant when he came off the bench. I agree, but I think Pedro also. He's another class player with plenty of experience. I think everyone was aware of, you know, the players that Chelsea had on the, the bench who could come on and cause us problems. But we felt at half time that we had frustrated Chelsea in large parts of that game. And I I certainly felt that if we could keep it up in the second, then, then we could have certainly got something out of the game. Yeah. So coming out of the second half, I had just some notes here and I was just thinking, you know, our players are under a lot of pressure. Uh, this is yeah. Hugh, obviously Hughes' first match at home, but uh, we're in front of a home crowd. Uh, we've scored. We have the lead. We're facing the reigning champs who maybe aren't having, obviously, the, the best of seasons. Um, the match is more physical, I think, than, than normal for us. And we we so desperately needed three points, you know, and this this you wonder, you know, do we have the players in there who have been in this situation who can kind of take all that compartmentalize it and just realize I just need to go out and do my job, you know, and, and not not be willing to like we did under Pellegrino, just sit back so deep that you allow guys like Hazard and and, and yep. William and Pedro eventually to kind of find space and, and eventually break you down because they will. Um, yeah. and you also just worry that, you know, you don't go out and try to do something so ridiculous with all those cards out there that somebody gets sent off and then you're, you're in a world of hurt. And, you know, I don't know, we, 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 we soaked up pressure well early on. Uh, we had the counterattack and, and it kind of led to a corner. Um, and I, and I thought that, I think this is one where long, maybe took it off his shoulder maybe, or kind of somewhere yeah. off his chest and kind of got it down and, and I, it produced a good save from Courtois, which I thought was good. Um, and you know, I don't know. I was slightly worried because we've seen this before, but at the same time, I'm, I'm feeling strangely confident. And I don't know if that's just being a football fan and going like, yeah, maybe we'll do it this week. And that's kind of, I think that's what it's about. You get excited and you get uh, to, just to watch your team and things like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was feeling quite confident and I can't, I can't imagine why, because every week when, when we, if we lose, it's like, man, like just don't let yourself get that worked up next time, you know? Yeah. But anyway, to the second goal, which I thought was was great. Uh, the, the foul leading to it may be a bit soft, but hey, we won it, and and I, yeah. at the very least, we deserved a foul that way. Um, yeah. And and like you said earlier, Ward Prowse kind of whips that ball into the back post. Mm. Um, in the finish from Benrack, I mean, it looked like a training a training ground video. This is what we've all been complaining about seeing so much because. Yeah. It seems like we just see strikers finish and finish and finish. Uh, and, and then here it is Bednarak at the back post kind of, you know, doing it. And at that point, it was at that point, I my feeling was like, this is it. You know, that that's two nil down. That should be it. There's 30 minutes left. We have and I think all of us, at least according to Twitter, thought, you know, 30 minutes left, three points like we're we're well on our way, you know. Um, yeah. what, what was that like for you kind of being there? Were you, you were, you said you were behind that goal, uh, behind the goal yeah. for that one. When Bednarak scored the second, probably the loudest roar from the stadium I've heard all season. Uh, everyone was happy, jumping, screaming, shouting, singing. It was, it was the feeling which I've missed at St. Mary's. And I think on the previous few occasions, we hadn't actually scored in our previous last two home games. Bear with me, I think it was against Stoke and Liverpool. We hadn't even scored. So to score two in one game, everyone was like, yeah, I'm really happy. We certainly didn't expect to score two against Chelsea. So, um, yeah, it was a really positive vibe. Everyone was singing, clapping, just generally happy. Not just that we were 2 0 up, but also for Yad Bender at that, you know, he got his first goal in a debut. You know, this is something, you know, he'll treasure for the rest of his uh, career. And everyone at that moment felt that we could, we, we were certainly on our way picking up something in this game. Um, but 
I need to give Antonio Conte credit. Within moments after that, he made changes and they worked. And I think that's why he is one of the top managers. You know, he wasn't scared to, you know, make those changes early. Yeah. And like we, we had talked about earlier, uh, Murata hadn't really done anything. And, and Drew comes on for him immediately after the goal. Uh, Zappa Costa goes off for Pedro and that. So they switch, they switch formations. They go to a back four um, yeah. and, and Pedro comes in. And now you have Pedro, uh, Hazard, and Willian up there. Uh, you yeah. have Giroud. Um, and I think that changed the game a little bit. I think that that put us under uh, a bit more pressure. I think maybe then we sat, you saw us kind of do what we've done in, in the past, which is start to sit a little bit deeper because now it was like, well, now we have a two goal lead. So we don't necessarily have to go um, yeah. and, and hit them on the, on the counter. We can just kind of soak up pressure. And yeah. I don't know, but, but still they never really had a foothold in the game. They didn't have, they weren't really directly threatening the goal. Cause I think that goal that, that, that they scored initially just kind of came out of nothing. Yeah. It, it was certainly Chelsea never in the build up to it looked like scoring. And it's, it's a good, it's a brilliant cross in for Giroud, but how he's, you know, he, he's literally the only target. And to think we had we were at that stage, we were still playing five at the back. Mm-hmm three centre-backs and you think out of the three centre-backs none of them picked him up and I think it was actually in between Giroud you know give credit to him he managed to get in between Hoida and Yoshida and it's, it's a brilliant header with, with great accuracy and you know he, he gives the keeper no chance so um, from my point of view is you know it, it disappoints me that and yeah, I've used this phrase quite a lot this season Scooby-Doo defending and I think that's it again you know they only had one man to pick up they knew Giroud had a you know a long a record against going against Saints and yet they failed to you know to pick him up and you think in the, in the build up to this game you know do you do your homework on your opposition you know it, it just makes you think you know because every Saints fan walking into the game knew that you know Giroud could be one of the biggest threats on the bench but you know a lot of players can have a clue on how to play him yeah, and and this is not. I mean, this is not the first time he's hurt us. He came he came off the bench for Arsenal and hurt us. Yeah. Uh, you know, at, at the Emirates, I think. And or no, sorry, it was that it was at St. Mary's, Mary's early, early on yeah, in the season. That was another one-one draw. Yeah, again, should have won. Yeah, 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 and and we had we had that game. You know, and then it was uh it was Alexis to Giroud, and uh, yeah, I I remember that because I was at my uh, my Arsenal friend's house at that point at two-one. I think um, I. There were some doubts starting to creep back into my mind. We didn't. You could just kind of see the the defense and and everybody kind of just just shrink and kind of almost collapse. And now you can see yeah. it was it was coming. And yeah, it was. And I felt the, the crowd as well. We all, I think, as soon as Jared scored, that everyone was looking at each other, and we thought, oh no, you know, this this is going to give up something to you know really build on. And like you said, we knew it was coming. It was just delaying the inevitable, really. Yeah, and and then it, it all kind of goes wrong in 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 less than twenty minutes. And I don't know, man. Like by the seventy fifth minute, it was two all. Yeah, the momentum was gone. The kind of resilience was gone, and. I, I, at that point, honestly, I, I didn't think we were going to hang on for a point. I thought, you know, that it, it, it was that third goal for them was probably coming. Um, yeah, I, I didn't take any notes, um, after that second goal went in, I just kind of, uh, I kind of just watched and, and hoped that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And then, you know, then it's three, two and, and I don't know, man, like it, it was, hmm. it People were when I was there at the, for the West Ham match. People were kind of apologizing for you know the, the performance and the team and all that stuff. And there was a guy there from um, there was a guy there from the states yesterday. Uh, I think he had his whole family there, and and you know he is was really excited 
2-0 up and, and doing all this. And then all of a sudden it just kind of collapses. And that's a completely different kind of like kick in the gut because it, it looked for yeah. 60 or 70 minutes that we were, that that was everything we had, you know, and then it, mm. it, it just still wasn't enough. And that to me, it's maybe the first time that I thought that the squad, like, I don't want to say it's the first time I've ever thought the squad wasn't good enough, but I, I tend to think that our squad is, is decent and, and that a lot of managers and a lot of, a lot of fan cl- fan bases would take our squad in a straight swap for theirs. You know, a, a lot yeah. of our players would, would make other squads. And yesterday it just looked like, you know, the, the deficiencies that we have at center back, um, the, the lack of leadership, um, the lack of kind of maturity, uh, those things were, were evident yesterday because we couldn't pick ourselves up once, once things started to go against us. And that to yeah. me is, is part of the reason that I, I, I don't think we can stay up. I think that that, that mm-hmm. type of collapse is, is what will, will, will eventually see us, see us cut loose and, and relegated, which I, I hate to say out loud. Yeah. Well, I'd like to go back to your point regarding the second goal. And it was on the other side of the ground for me, but it still baffles me how Hazard was managed to have so much room in the box. Like in the first half in comparison, I, I can't remember many occasions where Hazard was, was even in the box, let alone have that much rope. And I, I, I feel that when we the first goal went in, we lost our complete discipline and sort of motivation as well. And I think the, how Hazard had that much room in the box, nobody went out. I think it was actually Romeo's job to um, should have gone out and stopped the, you know, tried to stop him. But and then, you know, you can't take anything away from from the finish, 2-2. And then at that stage, here, regarding out of the ground, you hit a massive roar from the Chelsea uh, fans. And at that stage, they're singing 2-0 and you effed it up. Yeah. And at that stage, I, I was looking at the players and none of them were looking at each other. They were, all their heads were down. And then just thought, like you said, all the momentum was for Chelsea. And then minutes later, is it? Um, Chelsea have a free kick with Willian, who, if I believe to be correct, he took it. He played a clever little pass out wide. It's, it's a lovely cross out. It's cleared. And then it's just a rude who just taps it in. And a 3-2 down, I think, I think that that was the feeling that every Saints fan dreaded. And, you know, I remember against Liverpool a few seasons ago coming back Two 0 down to win three two, and it was so cool that it happened, it happened to us yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, and it for me and, and a lot of people on social media saying that goal was the final nail in the coffin. But, that, but a lot of people also said that that's not the reason that game yesterday isn't the reason why we're going down. You know, we failed to beat any of the promoted teams last season. Right. Well, that come up. You haven't beaten any of them. I don't, you know, the, the stats don't lie. It's one win in 20, which I don't care how good your squad is or how good your manager or your supporters or how much money your club is. If, you know, if you have a statistic like that, then you deserve to go down. One win in 20 is simply not good enough at this level. Right. And talking about that, you're right. Like we, 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 beginning of the season, you don't expect to take points. You know, maybe you get a point, a draw at home against Chelsea. You know, if you get a draw yeah. at home, uh, maybe you knock off one of the top six. I, I think you're okay with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but just in the context now of the season and, and we only have so many matches left being up two nil at home, you yeah. think the players would have recognized that this is, this is the time where we absolutely have to, to, to get points. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, we haven't been good enough all season, and in, and that that's yeah. an understatement. You know, nobody nobody has to say that uh, over and over again. But um, just kind of looking back at at the at the second and third goals here, um, both times 
you have balls worked out wide left. So attacking Cedric um, balls coming into the box and both times you just have one of their attackers, whether it's Giroud or, or Hazard just kind of peeling off, just, just backing off that back line, finding the space that wasn't there in, in the first half between uh, midfield and defense and being able to, to, to put it away. And the second goal or the third, the second and third goal, they're not exactly the same, but the, the result and kind of the position from which uh, the strikes are taken are, are fairly similar. And yeah, you know, that's something that we have to be able to adjust and, and uh, have it pause just just kind of like a second and a half, maybe after uh, Jarud is just starting to point towards the, the away fans and, and, and celebrate. And yeah. you got I think Yoshida's laying on the ground. Uh, Bertrand's kind of slumping. You got, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players are looking at the ground. And yeah, and Heads down. Yeah. it's I think they're like they recognize right there that this is over, you know, that they're not coming back. Even with 15 minutes or set or 13 minutes left plus salvage time, I don't yeah. think they believe they were going to come back. And and to be honest, like I I was hoping we were, but I didn't really I didn't really believe it either. Yeah, I think the damage was done. I think the damage is done to the confidence and belief. And I think that the players just simply didn't believe. To be honest, I think we defended so badly in that first half that even a three 0 lead, we, in my opinion, we could have even let that go. I think Chelsea after that. In a way, they didn't really look to get on the fourth. They just sort of defended what they had. And they did that brilliantly for the last 10 to 12 minutes. They barely gave us a sniff. We had a, I think we had a one shot with Sims, who caught our mate, saved fairly safe, um, easily. But then I remember we brought Gabby Adini on, which was just far too late. And Charlie Austin, who unfortunately, it was just far too late, like you said. It's, um, I think all the heads were down. And, uh, and I think the crowd went quiet, completely quiet. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it, it, I think at, you know, when they got that winner at 3 2, I think that, that just sealed the, the, the game for us. I didn't think anyone felt, any Saints fan felt we could get back into this game. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a nightmare. It, it was really worse from a personal opinion. It was just such a horrible, horrible feeling. And it, it, it was so cruel as well, as well, because we played really well for 60 minutes. But like I said on the ugly side, looking back at yesterday, it was, it was a complete failure. And it, you know, like you said, we you know it looks like we're going to have to, you know, prepare, you know, to play championship football next season. It's, it's looking to be inevitable now because we put ourselves in a nasty, nasty hole where we need to win three of our, our last four games, which is, you know, we've won five all season and one win in 20, you know. It's it's going to take a real shift now, isn't it? Yeah, and and you know I have tried really hard to be to be positive, and you know managerial yeah. appointments, everything else. Like I try just to just hope and and see and 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 just kind of wish that that whoever is in charge and whoever's on the pitch that you know there must be something we're not seeing behind behind the door behind closed doors and training or something that this must be the right yeah. decision. And I think yesterday, I think yesterday did it for me in terms of yeah. I. I don't know. Like I, 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 I don't think I can, I don't think I can, I can't fool myself, I guess, into thinking that we're going to stay up this year. Um, I see people yeah. saying, Oh, you know, we can get, we just need this many points. And it's like, man, like where, where are those wins going to come from? What, what this season in parts of last season has convinced you that, that we can get wins. We can get three wins out of our next five games. Cause I mean, if you see something, then you can, you can back it up then, then great. I'll listen. But right yeah. now I'm looking at it and going like, I mean, it's, it's, this has been a great run. We've been fantastic. It's been a great couple of years. Uh, something's gone wrong behind the scenes and it's going to take some time to fix. And, uh, 
Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's um, it's tough, like you said. But I think yeah, like going forward, maybe we need to sort of, a lot of teams in the past have looked at our model of bringing youth players in and doing so well in the Premier League. Maybe we need to look at what Burnley did and Newcastle did, that when they went down, they came straight back up. And ever since they have come back, they've looked, you know, a solid Premier League team. Two have rarely threatened relegation. And Newcastle, if you look at, you know, what they've done the last two months, you know, they've looked like a top six team. They've been fantastic. And I think we need to sort of adopt their model of, look, it's not the end of the world. We have got the resources to come straight back up in the Premier League. And we can, you know, in, in the near future, you know, be competitive in this league once again. Yeah, it, it, it depends on, you know, what the... Yeah, what the contracts look like, what who's staying and who's going. And that's a, that's a, you know, who, who's, who's kind of equipped in our team to play championship football. And I, uh, I was, I've, t- I've said before, guys like guys like Cedric won't be there, yeah. uh, won't, won't no. survive in that situation. Um, yeah. uh, but you look at a guy like Matt target, who's at Fulham and just enjoying himself, uh, thoroughly. And, uh, I don't know if, you know, Fulham has a, has an American center back that plays right next to target. So yeah. that's like a, a, Fulham is actually a, a quite well liked here in the States. Um, are they an American club owned by Shahid Khan? I think so. Yeah. I, I'll be honest that like you start talking about owners. I know there are a lot of American clubs or a lot of American yeah. owners of clubs. I think Liverpool is involved in something like that and things like that. Yeah. But like it's an uh, arsenal as well. But um, yeah, I, I try not to pay attention too much. I try not to get too wrapped up in it. But I do know that yeah. there are a lot of Americans who who like Fulham. Um, yeah. And I do know that uh, their their matches actually uh, show up uh, quite frequently on on some of the outlets that we have here where we do get to watch some championship football, but not necessarily all of it. And I know you and I have talked before about uh, yeah. what I'm going to have to do to be able to watch the team. And, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way. Um, yeah, I'll just have to get uh, maybe I'll have to get some uh, instead of paying for a subscription to something, I'll just have to pay for a subscription to uh, some sort of antivirus to make sure that I can watch these games, um, whatever language yeah. they come in on. But um, so a few questions. Uh, we have a couple from Instagram that we will get to. And this one comes from Jay, who's at FFSJAAY. Uh, he says yeah. that Southampton could somehow beat Leicester and Bournemouth. Could Hassan see a recovery or is or uh, is it still too late? So uh, um, what do you say to that? That is a very good question. Um, at the moment, for me, I'm sticking at it one game at a time. Uh, I, 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 I think that if we can manage, somehow manage to beat Leicester, I think that that should, that should spark some confidence and belief. And uh, Bournemouth, they seem to be a bit on the beach themselves. You know, it, it looks like they, you know, they have enough points to stay in the Premier League. So, you know, possibly, we, you know, we could beat them. And, you know, going on our last two performances against Arsenal and Chelsea, you believe if we could repeat that without the defensive mistakes, then we should have we should have too much for Bournemouth. So my response to that is if we can win our next two Premier League games, yes, I think then everyone will start to believe again. But then it's the fact that we have a, we've all won in the last 20 that I, I, I keep, sorry, I, I keep having to refer to that, you know, you know, when you, it just looks very, it looks a very, very tough ask. We haven't won back-to-back games all season. So yeah, it, look, they're both win, uh, winnable games in comparison to the previous two we've had, but it's going to be tough. But if we do win them, then I'll say we've got hope. But I was mentioning to a lot of my friends yesterday that um, we also need teams like, uh, I'm going to give an example, Brighton to possibly slip up. Now, I've looked at Brighton's fixture list and they've got to play Spurs, Manchester United, Burnley, Manchester City and Liverpool. And if you, if I'm not correct in saying this, that those five games are all against teams in the top seven. So for what I would probably go on to say is that if Brighton, for example, 
example, lose all of those games, then we can somehow match that 35 points. That might just be enough to stay up. Just might. But now, so, but then you're yeah. talking, you know, two wins and a draw in, in our yeah. last five, you know? Yeah. And that's, mm. I mean, if you look at our schedule, um, yeah. and I don't mean to, I, this is, this is so not me to, to be this way, but you look at our yeah. schedule, like you said, we have Lester and Bournemouth. We have Everton who, you know, they're, who knows what's going to happen with them. Um, they, they go, they, they vary from week to week, but then we have a game against Swansea and then Manchester city. Remember last, last year, at the end of the season, we failed to beat Stoke at home. Um, last yeah. game of the season, which, uh, was, it was a, was a bad run for, for a number of, of things, but I don't know, man. Like you kind of think Bournemouth will be up for it. Lester, Claude Puel destroyed us last time we met them and he's going to look to do it again. Um, he's, also, he's, they've, they've still got their ambition of reaching seventh place, which would mean, well, it looks like it would mean European qualification right. unless they're absolutely with the FA Cup. Right. So you'd, you'd think that they, they still have something to play for. You know, Everton and Leicester who are in and around those top 10 positions between that about 10th and 7th who are sort of luring around then. So yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd think that they would still have something to play for. Yeah, uh, and like you said, Leicester absolutely um, demoralised us in the uh, demolished us in the first forty minutes in that home tie at St Mary's, where we found ourselves three to nine. Could have been more. So um, it's like you said, it it just looks like a really tough ask. And I've said it for weeks that I think we're down because I just don't think we're going to get the results. But you, I guess football's a funny game. You know, I've seen over the, my years in the Premier League watching, I've seen great escape from teams like Wigan, who have won, for example, like four of their last five games and stayed up. And in their previous game, they'd only won like two or three. Um, I remember that you might remember yourself a few seasons ago, the great escape by Leicester, Mm -hmm. where they were eight or nine points away from safety. And, you know, somehow they managed to go on a Champions League form. I think that's what we need. I think we need to hit hit a top six, top four form between now and the season. I think that's our only hope of staying up. And I think the only time we've really hit those hit that form was at the end of the 15-16 season on the Ronald Koeman where we were chasing a European football. Right. And I think we're gonna we have to we have to simply hit similar form to that if we're gonna have any chance of staying up. I think if you, I mean, Sunderland also did it a couple of times, right? Before it finally yes. caught up with them. But, uh, yeah. you know, and, and Southampton has a history of doing it, uh, you know, on, with, with Letizia and the team and things like that, where they yeah. were, were, were fighting against relegation. And I, I've talked to a lot of, uh, fans who have been around a while. Um, yep. and, and they, it seems like I, I would say that, that people closer to mine and your age are probably less optimistic than the, than, than some of the fans who have been around a while because they, they've seen it before. Um, yeah. but I think even they're starting to, to kind of go like, you know, I'm just looking like we're now, we're no longer a one win away from being out of the relegation zone, you know, it's too, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that's, that's so dangerous, you know, and yeah. we, we don't have the team above us, Swansea, we don't have a game in hand against them. Cause that's what our, who our game in hand is, is, yeah. is, is, is against, um, you know, West Ham having now have a game in hand against us, Newcastle, which are all the way in 10th. We're never catching them. Uh, yeah. you know, but you, you look around and, you know, it, even though Crystal Palace is at, is on 34 points and we're only on 28, like that's, that's really the team that, that people are going to be looking to reel in because they've already played, you know, a game more than us, you know, yep. but it's, I don't know. We relied so long on people kind of making mistakes and, and, and not pulling away that we, 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 maybe it's run out. I don't, I don't know. And, uh, our yeah. goal difference isn't even, um, you know, the best out of that group. Like it was for, for a long time. I was speaking to my uncle who supported the club since the seventies. And he says, you remember the season where we managed to stay up on goal difference, but he goes, it was all Matt Letizia. Everyone knew that he would be the one. And he, he simply states to me that he just can't find a player, that one player that will get everyone together and rally the troops. And, you know, he'll be the, 
you know the key guy that will will try and keep us up. You know, it just I think we're lacking leaders in the squad, and I think that's in a way that's why we're not gonna we're not gonna stay up. Um, it's just I just think it's too many points, seven points that, and it and like you said, it's it's two wins now until we get out of that bottom three, which is and if you know Swansea win their game in hand over us, they're nine points above us. Right. So I think I think the hole which we've dug ourselves into is just too big, and I think that that is really uh, I think for me I think that's down to the board. They should have sat Pellegrino before. For me, it should have gone at Christmas. We had so many opportunities to sack him, and they and I think the arrogance of the board that they just didn't sack him, and I think that's why we're going to go down. I remember last you see um, two seasons ago, same, same happened to Newcastle. They sacked Steve McLaren way too late. Although they although performance has improved I and mean, they started to get results, it was it was too much of an ask, and they went down. And I I honestly feel we've made a similar mistake. Yeah, yeah. All right. So a couple, couple questions here from Instagram and just a reminder to everybody, you can send in questions on Instagram or Twitter. Um, look for the call for questions and, and use the hashtag SFC Dell at, at, uh, and we'll, we'll answer them here for the most part. Um, but Courtney Lewis white SFC says, should we keep Mark Hughes permanently? Um, somebody T S U J underscore says Hughes in the championship. So same kind of question. Uh, if we go down, um, is this, is Hughes the guy to, to kind of lead us forward or would you replace him? And that's what, that's what we'll do with that question. Um, I'd keep Mark Hughes personally. I think from what I've seen of his four game, four games in charge, I think three after four against Wigan. And then the last two we've seen a significant boost in effort from all the players. So based on that, I know we've lost three of the league games under him. I mean, based on that, I think if you give Mark, you know, a transfer market where, you know, he can bring the sort of players he wants, you know, to, to fit to fit his style of play, then I, I would certainly stick with Mark. But it's up to him as well. I understand he only has a short contract with the club. He may, you know, look to leave and, you know, wait around, and, you know, because everyone knows there'll be so many sacks. There's, there's, there's at least 10 sackings in the Premier League next season, you know, and maybe try and get another job in the Premier next season. But um, I would love to keep Marcus based on what I've seen so far. Um, so I, I, I would keep him, but at the end of the day, it, it's down to the board. I think they'll be making the, the final decisions on that. Um, if we go down, he has zero blame. I think that that is entirely all the blame is down to Pellegrino and, and the board for not sacking him him soon enough and just being very very naive. So um, I think Mark has no. I can't fault Mark Hughes at all. No, and no. I, I, I would I, I would certainly keep him. In my opinion. But also, if there are good managers who do come across to you know make themselves available, then you know. I'm, I may reconsider my uh, decision, but at the moment, I think Mark's probably the best guy to uh, assist with. Okay. Um, S underscore Evans underscore 13 says, if we do go down, who do you think that will sell? Uh, and who do you think yeah. we should bring in? Start with? So maybe just give me uh, two or three players you think will go. I mentioned, I think Cedric will go. Um, I think I also think Bertrand will go um, and, and and possibly uh, a guy like Tadic because I think okay. I think they, they are I think Bertrand I don't think you start for England or get close to starting for England if, you, if yeah. you're playing championship football you know um, yeah. and so I think he goes I, I just don't think Cedric's cut out for that league and I think Tadic I think he he will fit nicely uh, somewhere in Italy somewhere in and maybe outside the Premier League but it, I think he will be highly coveted by a lot of by a lot of teams. And so I just can't see guys like that kind of staying around. And I don't know how you feel about that. 
Um, yeah, I think a lot of the international players who represent their countries most likely will leave. Um, I've got a funny feeling that Fraser Forster will leave. I just don't. I just simply think he won't settle for a number two position in the championship. I think he'll look. He'll look elsewhere. Uh, I, I'm fine with McCarthy. I think he'll stick with us in the in, in the championship. I'm fine with him. I think Cedric will go. I think if we start with the defence, uh, Cedric will go. Uh, Bertrand will go. I think Jeremy Pye's contract um, is, it comes to an end at the end of the season. So yeah. I think he'll go on a free anyway. Um, Wesley Hoydet, well, you'd think a £17 million, you know, that ex-Lazio, ex-Dutch international player would leave. But for me, he, he, has, he hasn't been good enough. And I fail to, you know, look at any clubs which would actually take him. So for me, if the opportunity came along, I would actually sell him. Um, I can see Jack Stevens and Yoshida both staying. I can see Sufian Bifal leaving, Lamina leaving, possibly also Romeo. There, I also, I know a few clubs in the Premier League who admire Romero so I right. think he could possibly stay I think Hoiberg for me he's probably someone I look to make captain I think his attitude his motivation his discipline is second to none I think he's he's just a superb player and, and a guy and he's the sort of I think he's certainly his captain material he's probably one of the players which I would go to arm's length to try and keep uh, in the squad I think personally, if we go on to players like Stephen Davis, now my opinion on Stephen Davis is I think he's past his best. So it's a tough one. If offers came, I'd probably let him go. I think Prowse most possibly might leave as well. Um, I think it's vital that we keep Charlie Austin. I think Shay Long will also stay. But I think maybe Manolo Gabbiadini may be looking for a move back to Italy. Right. Um, I think maybe Josh Sims will stay. And I think we all know that Ryan Bertrand almost, I think he will certainly leave. But then, like you said, that opens a chance for Matt Target to come back. And I've, I read an interesting stat in the week that ever since Matt Target's joined Fulham, they haven't lost a game in 21 games. So right. 21 games unbeaten with Matt Target in the squad. Yeah. So I think he'll be, he'll be a great addition to the squad in the championship. But also there seems to be whether, uh, you know, whether where, where do we keep Harrison Reed, who's currently on loan at uh, Norwich? Do mm. we sell him? Keep him and Geordie Classy, who's um, on loan at Club de Brugge. So I, I, th- I think it's good. It, it, it's it's a tough, um, it's a tough one, really. Yeah, I, I can I can easily see ten plus players going. And uh, I, yeah, yeah, but also you get, you need a big squad in the championship because it, it is forty six games. So it's yeah, and a lot of the time it is Saturday, Tuesday, or Saturday, Wednesday. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we could just uh, pretend like we're not playing the championship. We're just playing the Champions League. You know, uh, games <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, but um, like I said, I think some of those players will will go regardless of whether we stay in the in in the in the Premier League or not. Um, but I think who we replace them with will depend. Yeah. You know, if we go down, there's a good chance we, we try to bring Harrison Reed back. We try to bring Matt Target back. If we stay in the Premier League, um, I, like you said, I think Gabby Dini's going to go and, and obviously we're not going to replace him with with some sort of championship strike. We're going to have to find... Well, for Gallagher as well. Yeah, yeah. He's also a one which I think he's he's been at Blackburn and Birmingham for the last two seasons. So he's spent the last two, three seasons in the championship, you know, and, and one could argue that maybe we would need his championship experience. But I feel... If and it's always a big if for Charlie Austin. If we keep him fit, sure, then he he can score plenty of goals in the championship for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Well, I I guess last thing uh, the Saints FC page asks: Is it too late? 
And I think we've answered that already. I think we've. It's, it looks like it's too late. And yeah, it, for me, it's for me and as well, I'll say 80% of Saints fans, it looks like it's too late. But then again, until it's mathematically impossible, I know a lot of Saints fans who, who will still believe we can do it. And I think that's more hope. Right. We, we, move, we, we move on to Thursday, which is supposedly the biggest game left of our, se- you know, biggest game of our season. And me and you both know, Mark, that only a win will do, only a win will keep that hope. Right. Anything that any, anything else will will ju- will we'll just um. I think yeah. I think that's it really. I don't think there's really much more to say. Right. To say. I think no. I think we've. I think we've covered it. Covered and it. Yeah. I, I mean, Hassan, this is not the best of circumstances under which to talk, but I uh, thank you for your time and thank you for being willing to join me and, and discuss all a of pleasure. this. And I, I hope we, I hope, I hope we did a good job. Uh, I feel like I, I, I kind of been a little bit flustered just looking at it all and being, you know, just looking at it and feeling kind of hopeless and I don't want to feel that way. And so, yeah. um, you know, by the time Thursday rolls around, I will, you know, be wearing my Jersey at work and I'll be ready to, to go and, and watch the team and I just hope that uh, I hope we can do it yeah hopefully and I think that's one thing hope you know I'll I'll, I'll be praying between now and the end of the season just keep praying that you know we can stay up you know bigger miracles have happened in the Premier League so where where there is hope I will I will always believe but deep down my heart says we're done yeah and I think yesterday just I think that was yesterday just confirmed it I think had we won yesterday I would have come on here Mark and I would have been talking about I think how we can stay up right and I would but nah for me, I think the belief's gone within the squad. All right. When you when you throw when you throw away a two 0 lead at home and could be three goals in eight minutes, I think that just tells you everything. Yeah, it's the the manner of it. Uh, I think just yeah. just takes any 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 hope you had or any confidence you had is, is gone. So, uh, all right, Hassan. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. that does it for episode 67 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to Hassan Tariq, who joined me for this week's episode. You can find him on Twitter at HassanTariq10. You can touch with him on Instagram at Hassan.Tariq.948. He's on Facebook at HassanTariq. All the links to those are in the show notes. Thank you to Hassan for giving me his time. Special thanks to all of you once again for listening. Uh, not the best, uh, most uplifting episode, uh, but hopefully uh, the team can surprise us uh, and show us something on Thursday and then going into Sunday. Uh, I hope that we just have a good day out uh, for all of you who are able to attend. So uh, now for the normal stuff, thank you to the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Uh, they do the artwork for the show. They do the logo for the show. Matt's been a huge help uh, throughout this entire process. Could not do it without him. Special thanks to the Saints Report for partnering with me. Remember, for all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to visit the Saints Report on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You will not be disappointed. Uh, you can get in touch with this show on social media at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. That's on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. No underscore in the Facebook address. If you're looking to get this podcast on your phone or on your device or however you listen, you can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, uh, YouTube, Radio Public, really wherever you listen. Uh, just search Delivery with two L's or look up Southampton or go down in the show notes now and click on the link that you want. You will go straight there. You will be subscribed and you won't have to worry about trying to find each episode. All the music for this week's episode comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. 
The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. Um, next week, we will be back after the FA Cup semifinal, hopefully with some good news. And as we go to Leicester, hopefully we take some points from there as well. So until then, remember that together, we march on.